the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, there's no better place for breaking news, real time commentary, and powerful stories across all sports than The Athletic. Download the app, personalize it with your favorite teams and leagues, and get an ad free exclusive experience. For all of this and plenty more, visit theathletic.com slash spot track for 40% off your first year. That's theathletic.com slash spot track. My name is Mike Gennetti. Happy Wednesday. Sneaking this one in a little bit early with the uh, big time news yesterday. Crazy Tuesday. I anticipate we'll do a third, <laughs> you know. Um, I, what I'm about to get through here is about half of what I probably should get through. And there's more to come. You know, we're in the, the belly of the beast here in terms of teams getting prepared for next Tuesday. That, that's releases, that's trades, things like that. I'm not going to do too much Rodgers today because there's a lot of speculation out there. Certainly, he's returning to Green Bay, but my anticipation is we'll know more in the next 24 hours, and I'll come back Friday and focus on that specifically and what that means for Green Bay and probably cover some other moves that they've made to kind of free up some space here because this Rodgers deal plus that the Adams franchise tag is going to be, you know, it's got them about 50 over right now. And obviously they have to clear that 50 by next Tuesday. So I'm going to push the Green Bay stuff to Friday so I can learn a little bit more, hopefully see a little bit more. And on that note, I am going to talk NFL. I'm going to talk plenty of this news, but I don't have breakdowns for Mike Williams. I don't have breakdowns for, for many of these big contracts, Harold Landry's extension this morning. So I'm reluctant to get too deep into the weeds with those, as you know. I need structure. I need full guarantees. I need potential outs. And I need full numbers for that. So I'm I'm not going to limp into those conversations. If I don't get to them on the pod, my plan this year is with any of these major contracts, I'll do a video pod where I'm literally walking you through the contract on Track, going number by number, explaining the outs, explaining the dead cap, things like that. So look for separate conversations with each of these contracts as they sign. Once I have the full breakdowns, I'll be posting that on Twitter, on Facebook, and you'll be able to see that on the players page on spotdirect.com as well. So whatever I don't get to in terms of deep dives, look for it specifically with that player as the contract information becomes available. The, the uh, soup du jour today though, obviously it's Russell. I've done a big piece on spotdirect.com this morning, going through the trade, going through the elements of the trade, going through, um, what, what's next for Seattle, what could be next for Denver, and what's next for Russell. Because part of this is he's there. There's two years left on that contract. It's, it's friendly. You know, 24 this year, 27 next year. That's, that's around the Matthew Stafford situation. So there's a really good comparison there, and I think Denver can work from that comparison. I want to start there. I, I think it behooves both sides to let 2022 play out, contractually speaking. Like I said, there's some value there. And, you know, Russ had a tough year. Russ has had a tough 18 months from a production standpoint to the point of where he should be the highest paid projection on our books. And he's not. He's about 42 and change per year. And I don't think that's satisfactory to him. He's, he's re-upped at the top price tag twice now. And I expect he wants to do that again. He's only 33. He's not 37. He's not Aaron Rodgers. So... I think there's a chance that he has to play himself back into that good, that good grace, that good confidence level. And I expect him to be able to do that. You know, there's a better offensive line. There's at least comparable weapons, if not better, you know, losing Noah fan off that roster hurts a little bit, but that's a, that's a position they can replace this offseason. That, 
the free agent tight ends, the draftable tight ends, they're there. So I, I don't mind that move at all and losing Noah Fant in this move. I think this is the right move for the next 12 months. Play it out. Get acclimated. Because if I'm Russell Wilson, two things are for sure. One, I'm trying to increase my production value, just my bottom line value. And two, I want to make sure this is going to work because they don't all work. You know, the Peyton Manning stuff, it, it didn't have to work. It did. The Matthew Stafford stuff, it didn't have to work. It did. And, all, and oh, by the way, let me throw this nugget out there. Matthew Stafford joining the Rams is not the entire reason that the Rams won the Super Bowl. A, they had a great roster. B, they made trade deadline moves that absolutely pushed that needle to the finish line. You know, OBJ, right, right up until the second quarter of that Super Bowl, was a huge part of that second half. And obviously, it was a reaction to Robert Wood's injury. But those are the kind of moves you have to make. The, the, the bold move, you have to keep the gas pedal down all the way through. And I, I think that might be lost a little bit on this Rams win. Whereas, you know, the Super Bowl needle has moved quite a bit already for Denver here with this Russell Wilson, Wilson acquisition. They're not done. Uh, they got some edge rusher and defensive line issues here. They need another linebacker inside that, uh, you know, inside that secondary. I, I believe that uh, they have a big three weeks. You know, the draft, like I said, they can they can nickel and dime some things, find a, a running back to go with Javante, find a tight end to replace Fant in some degree. But it's about getting this thing to work as quickly as possible, and it's not going to be right out of the gate. So for that, I believe Russell Wilson should pause. On this contract, hold tight, take a little bit of a, a bath, 24 millions or so, and then see where we are in 12 months. And, and my final point is if this isn't working, right, this and next year, he'll want the out, right? Free agency would look great in 2024, okay? It would look great. The cap's going to be 245. There's going to be, you know, tons of teams that need a quarterback, as there are always, and he'll be 35 years old. So let this thing play out a little bit. If, it, if it's working, you know, if they have a Rams-type season, even if they don't win the whole thing, then go get your 46, 47, 48 million a year. Um, that is my prediction, that they play out this year at 24 million and then, you know, four for 190-ish gets tacked on in 2023 and they don't look back from there. But certainly, you know, it, it could not work. It could be a bad fit or... Russ could be declining, really declining. That's possible. I hope not because I love to watch the player and I think this is a phenomenal move, but I do think waiting in 2022 makes sense. So that's that out of the way. I, I mentioned some of the things that Broncos probably have to do in terms of an edge rusher. Um, and look, they have cap space. They do have cap space. And not only do they have cap space, they have ways to get more cap space, which I expect them to do now because part of this process now is going all in with to follow up this move. They have, you know, four pretty decent base salaries that are screaming restructure. One is Wilson, which I wouldn't touch as of yet, in my opinion. I'd leave that alone. But left tackle Garrett Bowles, 17 million restructure. That's freeing up some space. Justin Simmons, 15.1. That's restructurable. And then Bradley Chubb. And really he's he's a multifaceted conversation because that fifth year option is almost 14 million. Is he in your long-term plans? Because if he is, and you know it, then you extend him and lower that cap hit for 2022. But if not, 
and you're on a wait and see mode with him because there has been some inconsistency. Um, a, is he a trade candidate? Probably not. You probably want the depth no matter what. B, are you just going to sit tight on that $14 million? I, I guess that's probably where I'm headed here. But I also think they're going to acquire an edge rusher in free agency. Uh, maybe a big time one. You know, Maybe a Chandler Jones. Maybe a Frank Clark if he falls off of Kansas City. Demarcus Lawrence if he falls off of Dallas. There's some names out there for sure that can be had here, I believe. And this becomes that destination. And oh, by the way, Von Miller, of course, who has already passive-aggressively said he would consider coming back here. So that's step one with this cap space is I'm probably freeing up 15, 20 million more with a couple of restructures and going big at that edge rusher. Because I don't have the high draft pick anymore. I've got some draft pick, but I don't have that high draft pick anymore. What they do have is four top 100 still. We've got them at 64, 66, 75, and 96. I mean, that's... You can do some damage there, especially if you have specific roles you need to fill, which I believe Denver now does. So I, I expect them to be active with those in terms of filling starter spots. Like I said, you go find yourself a tight end, either that either at 64, 66, or in free agency. Evan Engram would be a great choice here. Uh, OJ Howard would be a decent flyer. I don't think you're swinging as big as like a Zach Ertz, but it's possible. That would be an all-in move here, right? And... uh and I'm getting the linebacker, and I'm getting the defensive tackle to replace Shelby Harris, and I'm getting an edge rusher, maybe two, depending on the Chubb decision. So that's Denver. Hold tight on Wilson. Fill in these blanks via all channels, including freeing up cap space with structures. Make sure this thing is at least starting to gel in 2022, and then cash out on Russell Wilson and go crazy from there if, if everything's trending in the right direction. Seattle's a very different conversation. And to me, there's two channels that they could walk through here. Um, obviously, the rip the band-aid off one is the one most people are going to talk about, except for the fact that their coach is, what, 73 years old. You know, are they going to turn that over here in the next couple of months? It's possible. It's possible they just go all the way down. I think there's, a, there's an easier approach. And this trade, all the pieces of this trade actually benefited what I'm about to say. So obviously, they've got the draft compensation. they got a one this year, the number nine overall, the number 40 overall, and the number 144 overall this year, then a, then a one and a two next year. To me, this, is, this just smells like ammo for 2023 to get that quarterback. Now, look, one of these you know, halfway decently projected quarterbacks this year could fall to them at nine to the point of where they say, we're just going to do it. We'll change our course. And we'll go from there. It's possible. But if not, if they want to take, you know, an edge rusher or a, an O-lineman, nobody's going to argue with them because this is an offensive tackle, an edge rush, and a cornerback draft from everything we've been told from our sources, right? So, and those are positions of need for, for Seattle and positions you don't mind taking at any point in time, whether you're a contender or not. It's just the, it's just the right position to fill in the blanks with to start your process back up. So let's say that 2022 becomes the bridge year to get to 2023 when Bryce Young and stud quarterbacks could be available. I absolutely love the prospect of Bryce Young being on the Seattle team. He feels Russell Wilson-ish. He feels like he would fit this system that they've been playing for, for many years now. So my head is there. And how do we get there? 
maybe you have to subtract. They've already subtracted Bobby Wagner, which was expected. That freed up $16 million. This is a team now with $51 million of cap space, second only to of the Chargers. So, you know, you can see that and go to Twitter and say, look, they're going to be all in. They may be rebuilding right now. They may be signing massive free agents and trying to win right now. I, I think that's reckless. I think, to me, that's rollover cap, all right, for the most part. Maybe extending a couple players of your own, possibly Metcalf, to make sure he's happy. And, uh, and then everything else just pauses. It just pauses. Because I, I now have draft capital and hopefully some clout to be able to move up in 2023 and get the guy that we want. And oh, by the way, they're in a crazy hard division, Seattle. They have been for a couple of years now, and it's gotten worse and worse. And if Drew Locke is their starting quarterback, and I, I realize this sounds awful, but Drew Locke is not, has not been a winner in this league. And if the plan here is to not win a bunch of ball games because you're looking for that 2023 quarterback, <laughs> then acquiring Drew Locke in this trade and making him your QB1 in 2022, plus some of these subtractions, plus this you know, kind of stopgap year here, might be exactly what you're looking for to get yourself right back on at least a winning track in 2023 with the next quarterback of the future. So that's a risky take. A lot of things have to go their way to get there, but they are starting to build up that kind of ammo and capital to be able to make that kind of a run. It hasn't worked out for a lot of teams, but it has for other. I think Cincinnati is the recent kind of breadwinner of this conversation. So that would be my choice versus ripping it off, trading Tyler Lockett, trading DK Metcalf, you know, going through the motion from there. I think this team is halfway decent enough to, to hold fort, but also lose a bunch of ball games because of, the, because of the division and then ramp it right back up in 2023. That would be my take for Seattle. It's risky. I don't think the uh, Seattle fan base will love a lot of losing. But if they can kind of wrap it in this bow, in this context, there may be some, uh, some very good benefits from it in about 12 months, this time next year. And then they're rolling over $51 million in cap space with a cap that should be 230 right? And your highest cap hit is what? Jamal Adams? Maybe Metcalf's new contract? Maybe Lockett's contract? You can suffer with that. Then you get a rookie quarterback and you start the process all back over with a guy you think, you, you think can win immediately. So that would be my vote for Seattle heading forward here. I mentioned Russell. I'd wait, and then next year I'd go four for 192, about 48 million a year. We got to see where this Rodgers contract falls because obviously a lot of things are going to bounce off of that from here. Stafford's next as well. I expect Stafford to go 45, 46 million a year. But, you know, if he plays even halfway decently well on this Denver team, that's the kind of contract we're talking about next year. Four years tacked on to one final remaining year and upwards of 200 million for that contract. I mentioned I wouldn't dive into Mike Williams too much, but I want to say this much because it's something you probably heard me say quite a bit. The fact that Mike Williams signed a three-year contract is one of the greatest things I've seen in the, in the past 12 months of NFL. <laughs> okay. Uh, it takes him to just under age 30. It's, it sounds like it's two-thirds guaranteed. We've heard 40 out of the 60, 28 million all in 2022. 
I don't know if that 40 million is fully guaranteed at signing or is this just a hefty one year deal, right? Is this one for 28 and then a trigger to get to the to the remaining 12 million? That's possible, but it could be 40 million fully guaranteed over 2 years. And if that's the case, I love this so much, I want to scream it from the rooftops. Because A, the Chargers probably didn't want to dial into 5 6 years with this guy because he, you know, He's been inconsistently good. He kind of just broke out finally for this team, and Justin Herbert had a lot to do with that. So the relationship seems to be working, finally. So no need to break the bank. He got his $20 million a year. It might be 20 over two, Amari Cooper style. But Amari Cooper got five for 100. Mike Williams gets three for 60. Now, Amari Cooper is getting out after two years, it sounds like, but that's his own doing. But Mike Williams may get out after two years, but is definitely getting out after three years. Definitely. And he doesn't have to sign another contract if he doesn't want to. He can hit the open market in 2025 at just under age 30 and either cash in huge and make serious coin or stay right where he is and get a big boy contract at that point. This is what most... We have to start betting on ourselves at all positions. I know injuries are happening. I know we just had OBJ go down freakishly, non-contact. I know there's plenty of, of examples like that, but there's not as many. And, and the guys that are, are getting injured are coming back and still getting paid. Godwin's about to get paid. All right. He's getting 35 million over two years here on, on franchise tags. And he just had an ACL MCL tear. And he's about to get 100 million, in my opinion. This stuff's happening. It, it's, it's not scaring anybody off anymore from a football or a business standpoint. So the, the brevity of this contract and the strength and guarantees of this contract make me so happy. I want this to become a trend. I hope over the next couple of days, extensions or free agent contracts, that we see so much more of this. Bet on yourself. I know your agents are telling you otherwise because there's percentage points based on cash earned. And if there's a five-year deal with cash to be had, it's, it's just a better outcome in the end for most. But get in, get out, and do it again. It's happening, okay? I promise it's happening, especially if you're under that age 30 mark. Obviously, that's the big threshold for many of these positions. So really good news there. I'm excited to see how that's structured. I, I imagine there's void years. Sounds like maybe there's a $27 million signing bonus, you know, a $6 million cap hit. All good news for Chargers fans, in my opinion. He's back. He's well-paid. It's cap-friendly in, in year one, and we go from there. But that, that is one of the best things I've seen so far. Uh, Harold Landry didn't get tagged. And the reason is they had a contract figured out. He's the 10th highest paid, uh, average paid edge rusher right now, which sounds about right. I love the numbers, about 17 and a half a year. I love the guarantees, a little bit over 52 million. All that is top 10 stuff, of course. Um, the only, I guess, negative speak I have with this, because I love the player, is they basically just did this with Bud Dupree. And it's not common right now in football to double pay at a position, which is essentially what they've done. They gave Bud Dupree five for 82 and a half last year. So, you know, a little bit less on the average salary, much more or less in guarantees. His guarantee at sign was only 33.7. So, you know, we'll see what happens with, uh, with Landry's guarantee at signs, but I would, I would gather it's more. So, for all intents, this is a cap-adjusted version of Bud Dupree's contract. One year later, less than one year later. To me, this is an admission of, 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 of a mistake. 
with with Dupree. I, I think they're worried that he's either not fitting the system, not going to live up to this billing, uh, is you know is never going to fully recover from his his injury in Pittsburgh. Whatever the case may be, it's rare to see a team go back to back like this at that same position. So I don't think Dupree falls off this roster. He's fully guaranteed through 2022. I guess there's a trade option out there, but to me, it's most likely that he just sticks through, tries to figure things out, and get back on the right track. Because for Tennessee, there is a bit of value in this contract at the back end of it if they can keep Dupree around. But Landry's a hell of a player. Certainly not a position you want to you know go light at. But double paying the position has me a little bit worried at this stage of the Titans' uh, contention window. All right, and finally, the franchise tag window closed yesterday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Most of the suspects we assume would be there did end up getting tagged. I want to focus on the ones that didn't because obviously for any of those tagged players, there's two approaches here. There's sign that tag, becomes fully guaranteed at that point. And then July 15th is the multi-year extension deadline for any of those tagged players. The non-tagged players. J.C. Jackson's the big one for me. He becomes the, uh, the primary defensive back now to hit the open market. It was assumed that the Patriots, A, would not tag him, and B, would not extend him because getting to that open market is always going to be more money than what the Patriots are going to be offering you. That's just a fact of life. He's about an $18 million player in our system. But, you know, Byron Jones did this a couple of years ago, and the Dolphins heavily overpaid to make him the top cornerback in football. Well, right now, that's, 20, that's over $20 million a year. I expect that to be the case, you know? And there's good teams out there that want him. You know, I'm sure the Saints, the Cowboys, were looking at him. The 49ers for sure have to be looking at him. But then look, the Dolphins, the Jets, you know, teams right there in that AFC East know who this guy is, know what he can do. The numbers aren't there because nobody's throwing his way. That's how good this guy has gotten. You know, he, he was the step-in for Stefan Gilmore guy and without a blink, really. There's going to be a big-time a, a big number out there, in my opinion. If we're talking four for 80 around that part, you know, maybe somebody goes that fifth year, but I doubt it. But this becomes the preeminent defensive, uh, defensive back on the open market right now, and it's not even close for me. And you, you, te- you pair him with a Chandler Jones, and that becomes your defensive option right now. Similarly, Marcus Williams out of, out of the Saints. You know, Former second-round pick for, for New Orleans, spent uh, 2021 on the franchise tag. There was some consideration that he'd get a second tag, but look, their cap stuff is, as you know, a mess. So they avoided that this year, thinking maybe they get him back or they replace him on this open market with cheaper. Uh, he's a zone coverage guy all day long. So if your defense does that, <laughs> okay, uh, he's going to be a great fit. I, I think he's going right across town. I, I think this Atlanta Falcons team sees red in that division right now with obviously Tampa Bay's carnage and now what New Orleans is going to have to go through and without a quarterback. I think the Falcons see red and know if they fix their defense even a little bit that Matt Ryan can can push them back into playoff contention. So this is the right kind of player for that kind of defense, in my opinion. And a small overpay gets him there. Because if he's going, if it's the Falcons or other bad teams, right? Houston, the Jets, Carolina, maybe. I think Atlanta wins that race if they're financially equal or maybe a little bit above. So to me, that's a no-brainer. He's, uh, he's in the $16 million conversation for safeties, which is basically the top paid safety. 
not name Jamal Adams who had to get overpaid because of the ridiculous trade that Seattle gave up. Uh, but look, past Harrison Barnes, past Justin Simmons, past all the, uh, all the usual suspects here who just got new contracts there. The uh, Harrison Smith, by the way, I'm thinking basketball. So I, I'd put him in top three safety money. And I'd consider this to be one of the major options. And by the way, Tyron Matthews right there as well. For Atlanta, for Baltimore, for the Saints, if they want to, if they want to sort of uh, switch options here and, and bring him back to the New Orleans area. But those are your three kind of defensive backs. Jesse Bates got tagged. He's out of this conversation. You know, Stephen Gilmore is still going to get a decent amount of uh, coin, but it's not going to be that top tier anymore. I mean, if he was a $16 million cornerback two years ago, it's down to the 12, 13 million per year mark. And then the other big one is Carlton Davis. Tampa Bay, I thought would tag him, but I think they're, they have an identity problem right now, clearly, with so many free agents and, and a quarterback that's retired. So I believe that he's going to vie with J.C. Jackson to some point and maybe be the plan B for somebody who misses out on Jackson. Same, same, same teams, 49ers, you know, maybe the Cardinals if they can move some cap around. Uh, a lot of those West Coast teams. And look, maybe he's the cheaper option that the Patriots end up going with. You know, If they can get him four or five million less than what Jackson gets, 20 million plus, are, are you dropping off the production that much versus what you have to pay to keep Jackson. So I'd keep that in, in, the, in the back of your head as well when we talk about these defensive players. Tight ends all got tagged because the tight end franchise tag is ridiculous value in my opinion. It, it's such a good value that David Njoku going up to get $11 million sounds crazy to some people, but it's just not. It's just not. For, for a guy who could take huge steps forward again in that Cleveland offense and will have more targets, if they move on from Jarvis Landry, they've already lost to Odo Beckham. He will have more targets. $11 million for a pass catcher is just, it's value. It's value. Offensive line, Taron Armstead becomes clearly the, the breadwinner here with Orlando Brown Jr. tagged in Kansas City. He's got some injury issues. He's, he's up there in age a little bit. He's a little over 30 years old. But he is somebody's next left tackle. And... In my opinion, this is how this goes. I realize Jacksonville just tagged Cam Robinson. I don't feel great about Cam Robinson. I don't think they feel great about Cam Robinson, but they have the cap, they have the cash, they have the quarterback. They're just throwing everything at the wall in terms of their offensive line. So a second tag, 16.6 for, for Robinson, at least keeps him in the room. If they have to trade him off that tag, they can attempt to do that in a couple of weeks. If they keep him, make him a death player, make him a left guard, make him a right tackle. That's possible. But I think they are prepared to throw big time bucks to Taron Armstead, like Trent Williams type money to Taron Armstead to come, uh, to come south to Jacksonville and, and be Trevor Lawrence's blindside defender, blind protector. It makes a ton of sense. It's probably something they should have done two years ago, knowing they were about to get this quarterback. But we're here. Lawrence is here. The new coaching staff's in place. Doug Peterson loves his offensive lineman, as you know. This is the guy out there. This is it. And, and there are some, there are plenty of tackles in this draft. So it's possible they take one with the number one overall pick. But in my opinion, because of all of the assets you have, I'm taking the edge rusher with the pick, and I'm going Taron Armstead or some version of Taron Armstead in free agency, and I'm killing two birds here immediately on that roster. 
Speaking of which, I've been saying this for a while. The Bears officially did not tag Allen Robinson. He's going to walk into free agency next next week. I think a, I think a homecoming makes sense. I think he is a good fit for Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville in this Doug Peterson offense. Um, that would be the three-pronged approach here. The edge rusher, the left tackle, and, and a veteran wide receiver to go with a couple of receivers who are, I think, decent ceilings now uh, in year two of this offense. So I'm I'm right there with them. It shouldn't break the bank. It's not going to be a Mike Williams type contract, in my opinion. They may have to overpay a little bit because they are the Jaguars right now, and that's just the fact of life. But if I'm saying his floor is 15, do the Jaguars have to go to 18? Give him a Kenny Kenny Galladay type contract to bring him in. I think that's worth it. I think that's the right move, and that's the right player to bring him back to Jacksonville. Real quick, Beckham Jr. I know a lot of teams and, and fans out there are, are throwing his name around because of the impact he had about the last eight, nine weeks in and into the postseason with that Rams team. To me, it was too good, too good to give up. And that injury is going to keep him out for most of 2022. I mean, let's be clear about what this is. This is a second injury, a re-injury, and it was a nasty one. So he may try to get back early. They're going to tell, you know, you know a good team is going to tell him to wait especially a team that knows they're going to be in the postseason and will need him at that point. And to me, this is just all pointing back to the Rams. I know they have Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and other, you know, Van Jefferson and, and maybe somebody else, this draft slash free agency. But to me, this is the guy you just keep on an incentive-based contract in the back of your roster. And when he's ready, when he's 100% ready, you unleash him. Not unlike you did last year. Five mil six, seven mil, maybe even less. Can you get him in for four with incentives that get it to 12? You know, something like Cam Newton signed with New England a while back. I think this is right. And maybe even go this route. Maybe you make it a two-year deal where year one is almost nothing. We see this in baseball a lot when a pitcher has Tommy John surgery. All right, we want you in the door and we're going to give you a vote of confidence with a guaranteed salary in two years as long as you'll keep this salary while you're injured you know, low, suppressed, blah, blah, blah. So maybe a low salary this year with incentives as production and playing time is available, but then also maybe a half guaranteed salary in 2023 to keep him around for coverage. If Cooper Cup leaves, his contract would be expiring at that point. You know, the Robert Woods contract has an out after 2022, a good one. Who knows where Van Jefferson will be in terms of his production. But I wonder if that's not the play here to, to woo him back. Not that you should need to. Obviously, there's a huge fit there with Stafford. But small 2022 salary with incentives. Normal-sized, you know, $13, $14, $15 million salary in 2023. Maybe half guaranteed. Uh, Not unlike J.J. Watt, right? That's kind of how they're going to keep him around this year. And is that enough to bring him in and take him away from, I don't know. I I don't know who else would be offering full money for this guy with that kind of recovery. But it's possible. It's possible that your Lions or some of your teams that are just starving for a guy like this throw a four or five year offer at this guy. I think he's at a point of his career, and I think what he just went through went through is going to make him think otherwise of those kind of offers versus something like I just laid out for the Rams. All right, and finally today, a plea to all of our listeners and to anybody out there that follows this NFL stuff, even a little bit as closely as we do. Just don't fall for it. <laughs> don't fall for it. All right. Obviously, the Roger stuff 
is incorrect in some capacity. All right. Or he would be touting the fact that he made that he has a $200 million contract. Maybe close. It may be that it wasn't signed yet. I don't know what it is, but you've heard me say this enough. And I just said it about Mike Williams. Until I know everything, we know nothing. Nothing. All right. This isn't baseball. This isn't basketball. What you see initially is not exactly what it's going to be. And obviously, with the cap and things like that, there's so much movement. Um, cash flow matters. Dead cap matters. Guarantee it signs is it. It's like the stat. It's what matters the most. It's why you can tell me Rodgers gets 153 million guarantee, but is that all right now? Or is there a trigger in place? Is there an out with retirement? There's so many details to explore. That's why I'm leaving it alone for now, but I'm using that as an example to say every contract is going to be like this. You know, Unless your contract is Kirk Cousins two years ago, which was three years, fully guaranteed, it is exactly what it is. Unless that's what we see from somebody, then there's going to be some manipulation. There's going to be some wiggle room. There's going to be an out. There's going to be structural. There's going to be void years, maybe. I expect that on Mike Williams' contract, by the way. There's just a lot to do here. And the second a contract is announced, I'm not going to know those details. Okay, I'm, I just don't have that kind, of, that kind of relationship with all of these agents to the point of where they'll say, we just signed this guy. Here's the PDF of the contract. Go nuts. Sometimes, sometimes I'm able to get that kind, of, uh, that kind of breakdown. And when I do, I'll tweet it. I'll do a video about it. I'll put it on the site. And I'll talk about it as much as possible. But I don't know the cap pit of a contract that was just signed seven seconds ago. I promise you. I can speculate. I can tell you what I think it might be based on a signing bonus or a year one cash that's reported. But just kind of come along for this ride with me when I'm doing this, because there's a lot of variables and I'm going to try to be delicate more this year than I've ever been with throwing a guy's average salary out there and saying, oh man, this guy's a top three edge rusher now. You know, Chandler Jones just went 22 million a year at age 33, historic, blah, blah, blah. And then we find out it was 16 million a year with playing time incentives. And if he wins the Super Bowl, he gets a $5 million bonus. That stuff, that's what happens here. Right? There's so much fluff, minutia, whatever you want to call it, that is built into these. And rightfully so. Rightfully so. I mean, there's no rule saying you can't do it. And there's no rule saying you have to guarantee these contracts. So I'm not blaming anybody. But the nature of this animal is there's a lot of variables and a lot of variant to these deals. So, you know, when you hear the fact that JC Jackson gets four for 80 from the, let's just throw out San Francisco 49ers. Okay, to become their big CB1. I promise you, especially with San Francisco, that 80 might be correct, but it's going to take a hell of a lot to get there. And if I know San Francisco, 40 million of that might be in year one from a cash perspective and maybe even from a cap perspective because they love to do that. So just kind of come along for this ride with me. Please ask questions because sometimes your questions spark conversations for me or spark ideas for me that help me either get closer to the actual you know, situation or understand it from a different angle. And I'll answer as soon as I can. But I promise you, I won't know the cap hit. I promise you, I won't know the initial guarantees at signing because those are almost never reported immediately. Those are the, that's part of the digging process. But that is the most important part. All right. When I put something out there that I think is 100% correct, I'll do so in a manner that you know it, that this is it. I'm tweeting to the link. I'm giving you the cap breakdowns. I'm giving you the potential out, you know, the likelihood of this contract, if it's five years going two or three years, 
I'll be as specific as I can. And I'm also going to be as delicate as I can up front with, you know, ranking these contract reports and, and saying, you know, hundred million is, is a hundred million, the highest contract in the history of tight ends, whatever it's going to be. I'm going to be delicate with that. So let's have some fun and enjoy this next week or so, I guess 10 days probably until things start to calm down again. And then we'll uh, do it all again for hopefully a baseball off season. That's crunched into what four days getting ready for spring training and a, and a week win game starting to smell some good news out of those uh baseball offers so stick with us on that as well we'll certainly have some people back on the show hopefully chelsea janes out of uh the washington post who has been doing a phenomenal job covering this with brevity and with detail as possible so she'll have the the final version of this whenever we get there and it does sound like there's some real progress and some real work being done on that side of it so the Bapes baseball offseason could very well be smashed with or immediately following the, the craziness of this NFL week and a half here. So fingers crossed on that. All right. I'm at Spotrack on Twitter. Like I said, there is a Seattle Seahawks, Russell Wilson, Denver Broncos breakdown on Spotrack.com right now. There's also a Zion Williamson piece from Keith Smith, which is phenomenal. He spent a ton of time breaking down every option for Zion, which is do nothing. Let the rookie contract expire and go your own path. Take the qualifying offer. An early trade next offseason, an extension next offseason, a max, injury protections, a later trade. What if he demands to get the hell out of town immediately? All sorts of options for Zion with this Pelicans team. And Keith did a great job of breaking that down. That's on SpotTrack.com as well as MLB free agents, MLB trade candidates coming soon, and all of our NFL offseason stuff as well. Visit theathletic.com slash track. Get yourself 40% off there. Become a track premium subscriber. Get rid of those ads. Get plenty of historical information as well. And we'll uh, talk to you probably Friday with some Aaron Rodgers breakdown, hopefully at that point. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Track Podcast.